Welcome to Season 3 of I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting. I'm Garrett McMillan, a new sophomore on this year's Alabama baseball team, and thanks to our new NIL regulations, I can be paid a nominal amount to promote this podcast. A very nominal amount. Is there another word for less than nominal? Just stick to the script, Garrett. Okay. Tom and JT will be rambling on about SEC football again this year with a high lean on the Crimson Tide. Hey, have you guys ever considered I'm not bucking, you're bucking? Garrett, the script. Okay. Here are your hosts, Tom and JT. Welcome to Season 3. Welcome in to episode five. Uh, this is episode three. This is very confusing the way you do the the titles, Tom. This is episode five, season three. You've got three dash five, but I, I guess that's good enough. You know, the listening audience can't see this, and I, I I should prep better to where my intro would be better. But hey, it's just we we do it live here at I'm not targeting, <laughs> you're targeting. But this is episode five, and Tom, it is game week, baby. Oh, game week. And you complain about that episode 3-whatever every week, dude. How long is this going to last? I'm hoping game week gets you over the hump. I'm Mr. Short-Term Memory. Apparently. (laughs) (laughs) It is, though, game week, man. I've been waiting forever for this. This is is, uh, awesome. You know, it is like when you wake up Saturday morning, it's almost, is it real? You know, is is it really – are we really going to have football? And I know, listen, I know we had week zero, but the people who believe that week zero starts the college football season, they also believe that Santa Claus puts money under your pillow when you lose a tooth. Hmm. That's yeah. a little stretch. Week one begins college football. Unless Bama was playing week zero, then week zero would lead us off. But you saw who played, Nebraska and uh, Illinois, and then there was a couple other games. But I actually watched a little bit of the Illinois-Nebraska game. Not, not, that I'm, not that I'm proud of that. I'm not bragging here. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's bad. You know it's bad when Gober, who watches a ton – he watches a ton of college football. And I would say he go he watches more than me and you. You know what's bad when Daryl calls and he's like, I'm at Walmart. I'd rather be doing anything than watching the Illinois-Nebraska game. And I know he can hear it in the background. <laughs> so, yeah, is, I'm, I'm thinking, bad. he's thinking, who's the loser now, buddy? <laughs> but uh, I, I watched a little bit of uh, both that game and the uh, – uh, UCLA game. I didn't. I don't think I watched the entirety of either one of them, but I did catch a couple of quarters of each of them. I, I was just ready to watch a little bit. Well, that UCLA crowd was impressive, wasn't it? Yeah, man. I'm telling you what, it was shoulder to shoulder <laughs> in the bathroom. If everybody was in the same bathroom, <laughs> they took social distancing to the nth degree. <laughs> Hold on, hold on. I got a, I got more written down. Do we have time? No, no, no. We don't have time. No, go ahead. <laughs> All right. Uh, I've got the commentary tonight, and I thought about this. I, I put together something. I hope it records. We did a little pre-test uh, prior to hitting record. I hope you can hear this. If not, you know what I can do, though? I can tweet these out. I'm going to try to be more active on Twitter, as I told you last week, and I can tweet all these out, I believe. it. I did some screen rips off of YouTube. But, you know, back in the days when we first got the Jumbotron at Tuscaloosa and we had the sound system that was terrible and you could hear Coach Bryant, you know, all, all I could ever make out was, well, I ain't never been nothing but a winner. And then it was a bunch of garbled mess, the rest of it. I couldn't understand it. So when – who – was it Saban that came or what, did we do it before him? You know, it used to be this is Alabama football. They would play the Bear Bryant stuff, what let it off, you know, back in 2001, 2002. They'd play that about 30 minutes left before it kicked off. And then right before we came in, I think it was Saban that, that's – changed it over it was this is Alabama football and it's different plays you know you still got the the goal line stand and you've got the strips the strip from uh, George Teague but then they also had a lot of the near, newer plays and they update it yearly so I was thinking what is Alabama football under Nick Saban and to me 
These five clips I'm about to play, this is Alabama football under Nick Saban. Enjoy. Four seconds to go. Lincoln for the lead. Chill. It gets better. AJ gets the snap. Pressure. Screen. Yeldon. 30. 25. Make a man miss. He's going to go. Yes. He's going to go. Touchdown. TJ Yeldon. TJ Yeldon on a screen. 28 yards. Second and one. Texas from their own 37. Garrett Gilbert, the quarterback. Utah shovel pass in the middle, picked up by Darius. Marcel Darius. Darius to the 15. He spins to the 5. Touchdown. Touchdown. Marcel Darius with flags on the play for celebration. Must be against Notre Dame. Yep. If this was a prize fight, they'd call it off. If this was a prize fight, they'd call it off. And last but not least. Straight back to pass. Going deep. Throwing it down the first sideline. And it is caught. For a touchdown. Devontae Smith wins the national championship. I mean, the, I, I don't yeah, remember that's that my game. Call from that one, Sean McDonough <laughs> losing his voice. Like it's almost become his signature. God. <laughs> the 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 better the better announcement on that game is actually from the Georgia uh, network. I, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> they are. Oh my God, they were prematurely celebrating after the sack. I mean, they were oh, just going man. crazy, and then it just on a dime. And he caught it. Touchdown, it's over. Yeah. <laughs> what was great is they, the Tungi, they called to a Tungi Momoa. They made fun of his last name. <laughs> but uh, you probably recognize all of them. The first one was uh, 2009 Tennessee. And then 2012 LSU, make a man miss. 2009 Texas. 2013 Notre Dame. I, that was the one that didn't record the best. I hope you could hear it. I hope the listeners can hear it, but that was when Brent Musburger said, if this was a prize fight, they'd call it off or whatever he said. I should have written it down. <laughs> you can look it up. And then, of course, uh, Tungi Momoa to uh, Devontae Smith, a slim reaper. Both as freshmen. Alex Leatherwood on the field that play. Najee Harris on the field that play. I'm sure Judy and Ruggs are on the field that play. Just a plethora of freshmen. But I, that that's – that is Alabama football under Nick Saban. And, you know, two, I had some other games picked out. I actually had the 2009 Auburn game where we beat them down there with that play called Cody Five where we hit Roy Upchurch on the little, the little flat pattern made famous by one Jason Tiffin in flag football circa <laughs> 1997. Dude, we played – I don't know I don't know if you were on – I don't think you were on the team, but Mitchell Tuberville was the quarterback and I was the running back. <laughs> And I blocked. I, I, I had one play. So we had about eight to ten plays, and I blocked every play except for my play, and I would fake a block, and I would slip out in the flats. And I, I cannot tell you how many two-point conversions we converted that, that year. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, the bottom line is two of those games that I left on there were 2009, and that's just phenomenal that that was Saban's third year. And, you know, we, we just weren't – we weren't killing teams like we do now. It's hard to find those just awesome clips because it's just joyless murder ball, as they call it on Twitter, when Bama plays. But it just Saban has been just such a godsend for Alabama fans. And, you know, we wandered in the wilderness for many years after Bryant passed, and then Gene Stallings came, kind of righted the ship, got us the, the national title in 92 had us on the precipice in 94. You know, I still I still argue with people on 94. If we beat Florida, and I don't remember the, how the bowl system was set up then. Now, let me, let me put a little something out there first. Nebraska was the best team in 94, okay? Mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not an idiot. But if Bama beats Florida that year, and we go on and win our bowl game, dude, we're getting a share. Because yes. we had been national champions two years prior. 
That's right. We're going to get a share of that title. It was, you know, end up being Penn State and Nebraska. They both finished They both finished undefeated because, like I said, that was back in the Bowl Alliance days. So, Penn State went out to the Rose Bowl. Nebraska was Fiesta. Bama would have been Sugar. And if, yep. we, if we won, it would have been – we would have got a share. But, you know, then we had the mics and just Nick Saban came, eight-year contract. Who would have ever thought we'd be sitting here year 14, year 15, whatever it is. But just I, I hope you enjoyed those. I enjoyed watching them, and there's there's a lot more. You know, really, one of my favorite plays in the Nick Saban era was the 2007 Arkansas game. It was at Tuscaloosa. They had uh, two running backs, Felix Jones and Run DMC, Darren McFadden, and somehow we beat them. And, you know, Shula's teams are famous for holding the lead and then losing, wilting in, in the fourth quarter. And it was that was a scouting report is get Bama to the fourth quarter and they'll, they'll wilt. They don't have the depth because we didn't have the depth due to probation. But that's just such a damaging thing to hear as a Bama fan because, man, we, help, we hold up four fingers. You know, we're the first team I ever saw when I was a Ute hold up four fingers to signify the fourth quarter that we own the fourth quarter. And Saban righted that ship on the end of that game. You know, we lost the lead in the fourth mm-hmm. quarter, and we drove down, hit Cadell on a little, I guess, I don't know what you call the routes. I'm, I'm not a football expert. I'm just a caveman lawyer, Tom. I thought but it you were going to do one of these. It's one of those. It's one of these, yeah. So, uh, But anyway, Cadell called it. We won, I think, 41-38. Just a great, I don't know that the sound clip is any good, but the stadium was rocking. It, it, you just really felt the tide turning that, man, fourth quarter is ours again. Yeah, that was that was an awesome trip down memory lane. <clears throat> you you jog my memory here a little bit because I was looking at the Alabama Miami matchup, which we'll get into here in a little while. But I was looking at that earlier, and then we then we were breaking down. Actually, I, I'm referring to the Clemson Georgia matchup. We'll we'll talk about both of those. But I was looking at the Clemson game, and I, and I was looking back through their schedule to see when the last time that they had opened up. I'm not going to get all the way into this. I'll wait till our clip. But I look back to see when the last time they opened up with a with an SEC team or whatnot, and it ended up being there. Uh, I think it was in 2016 or 14. I think uh, yeah, it was in 16. They uh, they opened up with the SEC team. It was Auburn, by the way, that they won by six. And you mentioned a while ago, Joyless Murder Ball. 2016 was the year that we went undefeated and got all the way to the championship game and lost to this Clemson team. And it made me sick when I was looking back through it because I looked and we, we did. We had, that, we had that close game with Ole Miss earlier in the year, if you remember that. And then, other than that, we pounded people. Like, we pounded the SEC. Florida and the SEC, we beat them three or four touchdowns. You know, we hammered Washington in the, in the first round. We, had, I mean, we, were, we beat Auburn by 20. I mean, it, it was one of those seasons that just looked like we were unstoppable. And on the flip side, when I was looking up Clemson, gosh, that was the year they lost to Pittsburgh. They went to overtime with North Carolina State. They like beat Florida State by three. I think they had to come from behind against Louisville and beat them by six. They were so close to went losing three or four games that year, and you know, and they ended up winning the title. I mm-hmm. mean, they beat us in the championship game. They had a good team. There's no doubt about that. I mean, they did what they had to do, but you you just mentioned that, it, and it and it dawned on me that we we don't have a lot of close games when we're good like we have been and I wouldn't trade it for anything <laughs> you know that's yeah. the way I like it uh I hate sitting there sweating out games week after week uh now of course if you're gonna win the national championship I guess uh, there's something to be said for that regardless just like uh uh my uh, Clemson did that year same way when uh Cam Newton won it with Auburn you know they, mm-hmm. it was like every week they could lose but Nonetheless, I I enjoyed that trip down memory lane. It was you know, that was fun. Yeah, and and a little little shade thrown Auburn's way. We did not include an Auburn clip because when we beat them, we trounced them, and there are no good sound bites. But you know, if Auburn put one of those together, of uh, just what has Auburn football looked like against Bama during the Nick Saban era, um, 
you know, it would definitely include they've, – they've got two clips that's going to make it any decade, any coach, the, the yep. kick six and uh, and then the comeback. And then, they, you know, they would throw in the – when we got 12 men on the field and Bo Nix was jumping around like a little fairy. So, anyway, I digress. Uh, game week, we're going to cover two games this week. We're going to cover Bama-Miami. We're going to cover Clemson-Georgia. And I will let you start with the the premier game as far as this podcast is concerned is the Bama Miami game. Bama favored by eighteen and a hook. I like hook. it. It's a big number. That I is like a big it. number. Tell me Miami, your thoughts. Miami. What is Miami in the AP poll? They're uh, 14, 15, Couldn't tell you. Like Don't that. care. I think they're fourteen or fifteen. This is a football podcast. You should care, sir. Um, <laughs> Here, here's here's what I I ended up doing uh, for for Miami, and, and and I got some interesting tidbits on both sides I think. But uh, Miami, they lost three NFL draft defensive linemen last year off last year's team. Two of those went in the first round. I didn't realize they were that good on the defensive sure. line. I didn't either. But uh, I'm I'm glad they <laughs> they all went last year. So so they're gonna re- be rebuilding their defensive line a little bit. Uh and their secondary wasn't that great. I mean that's where they struggled last year and and they had a a pretty suspect schedule anyway playing in the ACC. They they lost their toughest games and got hammered a couple times, but uh, but but they won the ones they were supposed to, and and they and they would come out on top of some fifty fifty games. So they they had a good record. They've got a lot of hype, but they did all that on offense. Now I'll tell you this: offensively, they could be tough to handle. They really could be. Their offensive line has got all five starters back from last year, and in addition to that. They were four out of five of those that were all back together the previous year in in 19. So these guys have, you know, 20, 30 starts with each other. Not just, hey, there's a couple guys that got a lot of starts. These guys have been playing together as starters for two plus years with each other. That's that's impressive. When you oh, do yeah. that, you're gonna you're gonna have some success. And they have—I mean—they have, I mean, they have uh, guys that will probably be first rounders on that offensive line. So there, there's, there's no doubt that's something to contend with. Now, where they're going to get a little bit, uh, you know, I guess lost. Their their running backs are not that strong, but they've got De'Aaron King, which is supposed to be possibly the second or third best quarterback in the league. Now, one thing about Derek King, if you follow Miami at all, they uh, he tore out his knee in the bowl game last year. He's been in rehab this whole summer, and he's ready for the season apparently. But this will be his first game action since that knee injury, and uh, so you don't know how people are going to react to that. And what's worse for him, if you want to say that's worse for him. He's not a pocket passer. He had 700 and some odd yards rushing last year on the ground for them. Second leading rusher. So he's a mobile quarterback. He's going to want to run. But, you know, we'll just see if that knee is is in the back of his mind when he's out there scrambling around, uh, particularly against this defense that we've got coming up. I mean, that's not a – that's not a get your feet wet a little bit. That's that's throwing you in the deep end and hoping everything's you know going your way. Cause you you know coming off an injury like that, they're in fall practice. They're not hitting him. Absolutely not. There he is. He is protected at all costs back there. Yeah, and, I agree. You know I, who knows how he'll react. He he may he may have. A, everything squared away and, and, and throw for 400 yards and run for another 200 in that game. But it's going to be interesting to see how that comes. Now, they did get a uh, – they did get also get a transfer from Oklahoma. I don't know if you remember the guy. I, I remember him just because of his name. His last name, Rambo. Uh, he transferred – I wondered from, if that was the same guy. I figured it was. It was, yep. So, he's he's there. So, they, they've, you know, beefed up their – their receiving crew, they had their leading receiver back, Hurley, and then they get Rambo in as a transfer. And they also have a pretty good tight end there, too. And the, traditionally, tight ends have given us 
problems over the years. So uh, I hope we're prepared for that. Um, but that's gonna be that's gonna be Miami's sort of. I guess that's going to be how they can try to win the game. They're going to have to get in there and score. Their offense is going to have to move the ball. Their defense, like I said, is going to be rebuilding. Uh, their secondary has been suspect, and so they're going to have to figure out ways to score. And they have some tools there. It's just can they put them all together. Um, unfortunately for them, they're trying to put it together against this defense of ours now. I'm going to start with the defense real quick just uh, just to kind of give you a quick rundown. But one of the things that I looked at today, because I don't know if you realized it, but today was depth chart day. Yes, yeah, Tom. Yeah. This is a football <laughs> podcast, Tom. I do care. So uh, the depth chart come out today, and a couple things that I was, uh, I was really interested in. I went back and looked at our – uh, recruiting class from last year and just decided to check to see which of those players actually made the two deep on our depth chart. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven players on the two deep from last year's re- recruiting class. Of those 11, only one is listed as an actual starter. Did, did you know who that is? Will Anderson, Jr. <laughs> JoJo Earl. Uh, oh, I thought we were talking about defense. <laughs> I went the whole, the whole, uh, the whole team there, sorry. <laughs> uh, but, but... They're not yeah, eleven okay. in the two deep, just the defense. But now, so so JoJo Earl is the only starter. But uh, we had two transfers in there. One of them, of course, how do you say his name? Too Too. Henry Too Too. Yes. Yeah. So you know he's a starter uh, at Mike, and we also have the the wide receiver transfer from Ohio State, Jameis Winston uh, Williams, starting <laughs> wide receiver, Winston. <laughs> They're pulling double duty with the Saints this year, Tom. <laughs> not, not uh, crab legs. Sorry, <laughs> but uh, but what one thing that I was looking at through here is that our defense is going to be filthy nasty, filthy nasty. On our our defensive line, we have five players that had significant playing time or started last year. Uh, five all off that D line. You also have the linebackers. The 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 one linebacker position that we don't have a returning starter in, we put Toa Toa in there. <laughs> I'm gonna have trouble with all that all SEC year. Uh, performer last year at Tennessee. The exactly. only bright spot at Tennessee. That's right. And so we have backup players at linebacker like Jalen Moody, Shane Lee. Those guys played last year. Got good, significant playing time. Chris Braswell, he he was in some games. I let mean, me let me interject a little bit here because there's really nothing going to be left for me to talk about when you finish. Come on with it. No, yeah, I mean, but that's that's exactly kind of the angle I was going to take. Look, I'm, I've got the defense, uh, the the depth chart pulled up, and I'm looking at defense. Second team. Well, actually, Mathis starts. He's 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 back up at one defensive end. Starts at the other one. That's kind of odd. But looking at the Mike linebacker, we start to to Jalen Moody is second team along with Shane Lee. Shane Lee started in 2019, okay? Mm-hmm. Jalen Moody came in when someone got hurt. They're the backups now, okay? You have Kool-Aid. Well, no, that's, he didn't play last year. You've got Daniel Wright at strong safety. Daniel Wright had, I'm going to say, at least one interception. I'm thinking two or three interceptions last year. He's not even starting this year. You've got Brian Branch at back up at star and free safety. Played a ton last year. I agree. It is an offensive game now, uh, and I'm not. I, I'm not gonna drink the Kool Aid that we're gonna. It's gonna look like 2008, 2009, 2010 Nick Saban teams to where we're winning the ball games. You know, 34 to 10, 28 to 7, 41 to 13. But man, we we should be tough to score on. 
Yes, agreed. And I am drinking the Kool-Aid. I think this defense is going to be something else. It's uh, it's it's top to bottom. I don't see many weak areas at all. If you want to call a weak area, which is a tough weak area to 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 get, you've got cornerback play, which is always it's always suspect because, like you said, people are throwing it all over the place. But mm-hmm. Josh Job is going to be solid. There, oh yeah. He, yeah, he's 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 there. He may turn into an All American before he leaves. Uh, the the other corner, uh, who we got in there? Jalen Armour Davis. Yes, from so, Mobile. You know, uh, he's a little bit of a unknown as far as whether he's going to be able to lock down or not. But the rest of the, you know, like you said, uh, you you got Daniel Wright back there, who's who's not even starting. He's behind battle. Malachi Moore. Those uh, between those guys, they probably had half the interceptions last year. Yeah. <laughs> Moore mean, didn't even play after. Did I don't know if he played Florida. He did not play our last two games due to injury. Right. That's right. That's right. So I'm 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 pumped. I mean, absolutely pumped about this defense, and we're gonna need them with Miami's offense and the scrambling quarterback, but. We should be able to take our offensive weapons, which are which are deep. I mean, they're you know we've got Brian Robinson listed as the starter at running back, which very well he should be. But did you notice the whole collection of the other running backs from last year? Now, no no new guys made the running back depth chart. No mm. no freshmen, no anything. But McClellan, Sanders, and Roydell Williams all listed as number two. Yeah. Who's going to be that second guy off the bench? Because you know Robinson will carry a couple series. It's going to be like Saban's done for the last five years. He'll he'll run two or three series, and then automatically that second guy comes in there. Who's it going to be? My money's on Jason McClellan, and I, I guess, you know, he's technically is listed. I know they've got slashes, but I think that's the order Saban has them in. I think it's Jason McClellan. I think it's Trey Sanders and Roy Dale Williams. And we, like, we're totally writing off Trey Sanders – Dude was a beast in high school. I think he played at IMG, five-star talent, and looked to be taking over the second team carries last year. Then he had the car accident. Yeah, it was very vague. He had the car accident. He's injured. He's out for the year. But I, do you know what happened to him? Do, what no. injury did he have? I, like I, it was, I don't know. It's like it was – it was don't ask, don't tell. Uh, we're not going to tell you what injury he's got, and you're not. And of course, with uh, HIPAA laws, I don't guess we can ask. But no, you know, normally it, the scuttlebutt will kind of get out on the chit chat boards, and I never heard his exact injury. But it was they people were worried about can he come back? So it was relatively serious, at, at least at one time on the on the front end. But now he's back. But I my money's on Jason McClellan, dude. He's a speedster. He's gonna. He reminds me. Of uh, Josh Jacobs plays for the Raiders now. Just I don't the know Las that Vegas a, Raiders. The Las Vegas Raiders, which we will be in their hometown this time next week. Tom, we will be enjoying what time is it? Up, oh, we will be pre-gaming for the Whippets this time next week. <laughs> Are you sure you don't want to just skip the Whippets and watch Ole Miss and Louisville play? Is that where do they play at? We're arguing today. Where do they play? <laughs> do they play in Atlanta? Uh, I have no idea. Okay, but it's a Monday night game. It yeah, probably thought, is because last year Atlanta did a, a doubleheader. Yeah, ha- didn't two they? years ago. Two, that, two one years year ago. it was Bama somebody. I think it was Bama somebody. Then it was I know Tennessee was the second game involved. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Could but, be. I, I hadn't looked at the schedule. I just figured we would be at the whippets. <laughs> <laughs> Looking, but you know, you covered it. You covered this game very well, as I hope you cover the Clemson Georgia game very well because I've got like four bullet points and I'm done. But I really think that with King's injury, and that's that's the first bullet point I had, he, he's coming off injury. Okay, this is September – or this is August the 30th, so September the 4th. We're going to go ahead and give him – we're going to say nine months. Nine months ago he got injured. You know, ACLs – and I know medicine has improved over the last 25 years. It's improved over the last five years. But the kind of the rule of thumb was you get hurt, you, you tear an ACL – you rehab the next year you're playing, but you're not back to your normal self till year number two. And we're expecting this guy to be the Derek King that was striking fear in people's hearts nine months removed from ACL surgery. And it's not like he plays the, the a receiver to where he can just run a bunch of fly patterns. 
or um, I'm really trying to think of a of a position in football that might corner. be a little bit easier. Oh. I don't know, corner is so much cutting. <laughs> oh, I thought you was talking about the ones that are rough on the knee. <laughs> no, no, I mean, I, like I said, I can't think of a, a good – I guess a lineman more like an offensive lineman, you tear your ACL. Holder. Yeah, holder, long snapper. There we go. <laughs> I just don't, don't see him. long snapper, sorry. I, like you said, he has not been – you know, they have not tackled him to the ground, which I don't guess quarterbacks ever get tackled to the ground these days. But I'm sure they have had kid gloves on with him because he is their team. And he's not been hit, and I do not think he is going to run. Even when he takes that first hit and he realizes, hey, my knee's okay, you know, you got to get that out of your head, they've got to be telling him, dude, don't run unless you have to. Don't run unless you have to. Because you remember 2017, we knocked out the quarterback for Florida State, and they that was like their downward spiral yep. ever since then. They, they never recovered. But all that said, eight, ten and a half, I'm anxious to see – what you have as the as the point spread, who who covers. I'm going with Miami, and I'm going to tell you why. I, I do think, Ken, I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth here, I think King is going to be able to, to cause enough trouble at the quarterback spot to score enough on us, coupled with we're breaking in a lot of new people on offense at a lot of key positions. And I, I'm like you, apologies to McMillan, but dude, Brian Robinson did not live up to your hype at the Buffalo Wild Wings in 2017 at the <laughs> FFL draft. You know, you said he'd be better than Najee, my friend. Najee was a first rounder. I just, B-Rob is a great kid. Obviously, he's a great locker room kid. He's an above average, well above average running back. I mean, he's playing in the SEC at Nick Saban's Alabama, but still, he's not Mark Ingram. He's not Derrick Henry. He's not Najee Harris. I don't think he's Jason McClellan or even Roy Dale Williams. So, and he's going to get the call, uh, and rightfully so, like you said. He's paid his dues, kept his nose clean, but I, I just feel like we're replacing too much on offense to really put the pedal to the metal and I see this game, I see Miami getting 17 to 21, and then I see Bama getting in the mid-30s. So it's going to be close. Vegas knows what they're doing, but I'm going to say that uh, Miami stays inside the number. Okay. <clears throat> so I'm going to hit one thing before I give you that prediction. These days, holding opponents under – I'm going to say 16 points average for the year is elite. Or it, it maybe leads the nation unless you talk about a, a team from a, you know, a Division II conference or, or a Sunbelt or something like that. I think this year we get it back under 16. I don't think we've been under 16 points per game since uh, the year we lost in the, in the title game to Clemson. Uh, we had we had an elite defense that year, which was what year was that? Was that that was sixteen? Yeah, the year we lost it. That that's the team that deserved the title more than any team. I would say is yes. sixteen. Ryan Anderson was on that team, and uh, oh gosh, I used to know everyone on by heart. Yeah, but you had Bo Scarborough in the backfield. You had Jalen Hurts at quarterback. You had our. Our, you had Calvin Ridley at receiver, so it just a yeah. So ton, I, of, ton of kids. With all that being said, I, I think this is the year we get our defensive points per game back under 16. And I'm going to say we're going to open up this. I, I agree with you on the mid-30s offense because it's going to take us a little bit to get our legs under. So I, I expect us to score in the mid-30s, but I do expect us to hold them below uh, 16 points. So I'm thinking something like uh, 34 to 13, something like that. Oh. We'll just get over the number. Yeah. Where, how did, where did you come up with that? Uh, where'd you come up with that score? 34 to 13. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> A little nostalgia for you. <laughs> you didn't even realize it, did you? I, di- I didn't until you just said it. <laughs> You're such a great Bama fan, Tom. <laughs> well, I tell you what, we're going to be in Las Vegas and you can legally wager on that game if you so choose oh wow i'll consider that on the way over (laughs) (laughs) all right so the second game which is the premier game if you're not an alabama or miami fan is going to be clemson in georgia and i've got 
Clemson favored by three and a half in this one. It is the number two team, Clemson, versus the number four team, Georgia, in the preseason AP poll. It should live up to the hype. Uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence is gone. JT Daniels is the clear-cut starter. Remember last year, Georgia was starting the mailman. I can't even remember his name. He had like some Thurston Howell the third name. And he we did. we torched his ass in Bryant Denny, and I don't think he ever started again. He was named after a hat, wasn't he? Wasn't he uh, Stetson something? Stetson Bennett the fourth. I think you're go. correct. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, that supposedly – and here's – we can kind of – this kind of goes back to Derek King and the Miami. Uh, the Miami game, JT Daniels was coming off. He tore his ACL. This is a – I didn't even think about this till right now. This is an organic show, ladies and gentlemen. JT Daniels tore his ACL playing for USC the first game of 2019 – Okay, that would have been September, the first weekend, September of 2019. Last year, Georgia played Bama in October, if I'm not mistaken. What Game three, it was either late, late September or or early to mid-October. I can't remember exactly when we started the season. I know we started late. Let's just say October. Supposedly, JT Daniels was not at 100%, and they did not play him against Bama because they did not trust that his ACL was 100%. 13 months removed 13 and a half months removed from acl surgery and he did not start yet they're expecting Derek king to start and light us up we'll see but anyway back to to georgia the jt daniels the unquestioned you know starter at at georgia dj ungungale don't have a clue if that's how you pronounce it but yeah i forgot they lost his I don't know how many games he started in the last year. You know, we all know that he started against Notre Dame because Trevor had the COVID, the coronavirus. And I forgot, man, he threw for 439 yards against Notre Dame last year, mm-hmm. which is that impressive? I don't know. Notre Dame's not that good. They're they're a media-driven beast as every year. And But he's good. DJ's good. There's no question about it. And – you know, both teams, I, I look at the depth chart. I'm looking at Clemson's right now. Their defensive line, I was listening to a fine bomb on the way in today, and that's where they're supposed to just be elite is on the defensive line. They supposedly got five kids that will start anywhere in the country. I don't really recognize the name. Tyler Davis, I do recognize that one. And they got cool numbers. Like two of them's got numbers in the in the uh, teens or, or right over ten, a number 11 and number 13. Those kids are always good. So, but I I think this game boils down to the offensive skill positions and Georgia, you know, lost George Pickens for the year. And I think they've got number seven name escapes me right now. I think he is back. Not sure. I I know he was injured for a time being, but Clemson, you know, they lost Justin Ross last year to, I believe, an ACL. He's back this year. And I just I think Georgia has the pieces to beat Clemson. I think Georgia has the defense to beat Clemson. I just don't think they've got oh, I should say a lot of the pieces to beat Clemson. I just don't think they have the receivers, man. You know, they've got JT Daniels, great quarterback, gonna be a, a, probably a high draft pick as long as he continues on the the trajectory that he's on. But I just don't see the receiving core at all with Pickens out, Demetrius Robinson. Or, I'm sorry, Robertson, the one that he, – he's been all over the place. I think he's from Georgia. He went to Cal, transferred to Georgia, and now transferred to Auburn. And he made – I noticed he's starting at Auburn. And, yeah, Auburn's lean at receiver too. But, I mean, this transfer came in and started, which I guess I guess we're lean too because Jamison Williams is, is starting for us from Ohio State. But I really think Robertson might have made the difference in this game, and he is playing against Akron this weekend instead of Clemson. <laughs> so I, I've got Clemson winning. I, I, I'm gonna. Here's the thing: I'm gonna have to hedge on this one. My heart says Clemson wins, but I picked Georgia on on the sheets on the uh, when we broke down the East and the West. So I'm gonna have to stick with Georgia. But my heart of hearts tells me that Clemson somehow gets it done. How do you see this game going? I was fixing to say you sat there and said you got to take Clemson. I was like, wait a minute, you've already picked Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> Three a curveball. 
I'm no, not bunting. I, you're bunting. No, I agree with you, and that's one of the things that I had down is that Georgia's uh, receiving. They have uh, uh, the the two guys coming back. I think Burton and Jackson. Burton, that's number seven. There. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and then behind them is all freshmen. All yeah. freshmen, and, and they didn't st- crack the line. Now, where they really lost here is that Eric Gilbert's not going to play either. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 know, the, he, the tight that end. Was a tight end. For, not only is it tight he was going to be a uh, – that was going to be something impressive because he already he was a, a big-time tight end for LSU, transferred to them. But when he got to Georgia, did you know that they transferred him or uh, moved his position to wide receiver? That's how talented the guy was. Yeah, I think he, they were going to try to make him pits from Florida, I believe. That's exactly what they were going to do. Yeah. And uh, he's he's not there. He's he's uh, off on personal reasons, hadn't practiced, and they don't they don't know when to expect him back, if ever. So uh, that's uh, unfortunate for them. But in addition to that, you know that they're also starting two redshirt freshmen on the offensive line. <laughs> uh, they have a Recipe. first time. For disaster. Yeah, a first-time starter at center. Now, he did play some last year. I think it maybe had one start last year in a game where the starter was out or something. But uh, this is the first time for him taking the reins at center position, too. So they've got a pretty inexperienced offensive line. They're they're very shallow at the receiver position. They, they, they you know, don't have the tight end that they were banking on. So that, that offense is going to be – 100% relying on JT Daniels. Now, he showed some good stuff last year, there's no doubt. But did he play a defense the caliber of Clemson? That's an emphatic no. Absolutely not. Um, defense for Clemson, you had touched on it. Seven out of their 11 starters made first or second team all ACC preseason. Uh, Brian Brees, their defensive lineman, preseason All-American. <laughs> They've got nine defensive starters back from last year, five out of the top seven tacklers from that team. That defense is going to be just like Alabama's. They're going to be stout across the board. They're going to have hardly any weak spots at all. And when you have that, you've got to have the offensive weapons to get it up the field and take advantage of whatever little bit of the defense that can get you. I mean, you just have to find a weakness and exploit it. And I don't think Georgia can do that. Now, the flip side of that is Georgia's got pretty good defensive team themselves. They're only returning five starters, but they they are also returning three out of the top four tacklers. One thing that I think was impressive about Georgia's defense, I don't know if you looked at their depth chart or not, they have all juniors and all seniors starting on defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, no freshman or sophomore. Now, there's good and bad at that. One, obviously, you've got experienced players there that have been there for a while that should, by this time, know the system inside and out, know what it takes to win games, that sort of thing. The bad part about that is, is typically – You've got some early superstars that are juniors and seniors that are leaving. Mm, so yeah. these guys likely did not start as freshmen or sophomores. There's probably some first-time starters in this group that meant that they couldn't get on the field earlier in their career. And that's not always a bad thing. We've got plenty of those guys at Alabama. But you've got a, all juniors and seniors there. I, I don't know how that bodes for them. So – they're going to be stacked up against Clemson. You've already touched on it against uh, Ugalele, Ukulele. I, I hate. <laughs> Tony I don't, Momoa. I don't want to make fun of the guy's name. I just don't know how to pronounce it. So, <laughs> but you mentioned Ross being back. That's right. He was out all last year. He had a spinal surgery. I did. I forgot about that, and I looked it up. He had some sort of fusion in his Man. spine. Yeah, and so. That's a, that's another question mark in my mind whether or not he'll uh, he'll be back. Now they have some experience back on offense, some returning starters, but but not a lot of production. Like they're high production folks, EDN and who is the other uh, receiver? Lawrence, of course, quarterback, and then there was another receiver that left. That, yeah, that, I can't remember, but uh, that's ETN, you know, that's that's a big loss for them. Yeah, huge loss. So they have experience in offense. They just don't have all the production. They lost like 
percent of their production last year. Yeah. So it this will this will be a game of defense on both sides of the ball. And uh, if I'm a if I'm a a gambling man, which occasionally I am, uh, I would be taking the under in this game. But I do like Clemson to win it also. All right. Well, if I'd known that, I might have switched my my pick to Georgia. I bet you would have. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that wraps up. The the games which we both agreed that uh, we both agreed that Clemson wins and then we both agreed Bama wins. I had them inside. I had Miami inside the number. You had Bama covering the the eighteen and a half. So, all right, we've not done this because we'd only do this segment when we have game weeks, and this is game week one. So we're gonna go bets for the week. And Tom, do you know it's illegal in Alabama to spit orange peels onto the sidewalk if you're in Mobile? Yes, of course. You didn't know that? Did you know that it's illegal to put salt on a railroad track? And if you do put salt on a railroad track and you're convicted, it carries the death penalty. Ooh, I did not know that one. It is illegal in Alabama. Boogers must not be flicked into the wind. Sorry, Auburn. It is illegal <laughs> to put an ice cream cone in your back pocket. It I is knew illegal. That, one. That, was, that was to get horses to follow you away, and that's how they were stealing horses. That's I, I knew the history of that one. I, I know you do there, and I know how you know because Deb has probably ingrained that into you. <laughs> don't and, be bringing that. Don't be bringing <laughs> ice cream and cones to my barn. <laughs> <laughs> what? Well, I forget the dog's name. I had a great joke. And I forget. Gansy. Gansy agrees. <laughs> it is also illegal to drive while blindfolded. <laughs> in Alabama, and the reason I said all these illegalities is because it's illegal to place a wager in Alabama. So oh when my. we do bets for the week, this is for entertainment purposes only, unless you're headed to Las Vegas, unless you're headed to the coast, at at uh, Biloxi, unless you're headed up to Tunica, somewhere that you can place a wager. So please don't be betting these on illegal betting sites like Red44.com or anything like that. That's right, and or unless. You call it a raffle instead of a wager. You're good there, too. <laughs> okay. But without further ado, we're going to get into the bets for the week. I mopped the floor last year with Tom. I wish I would have had time to go back and look at all my, my illustrious victories. So, Tom, in that vein, I'm going to give you game one. Game one's a very easy one. It's a Thursday night kickoff, Ohio State at Minnesota. Game is like a, a, a fishy fish stick game. Ohio State's only a 14-point favorite over lowly Minnesota. I will take the Gophers all day here, seven days a week, and twice on Sunday. So you got the Gophers at plus 14? I do. That is is not a bad pick. I saw that, I saw that line today. My game one, I'm going to go with uh, LSU. And this is, a, this is a fishy line, too. There's no reason the LSU – I know what happened last year. They're 5-5. Five and five. They were inept at, at a, a good portion of their football team. But they were coming one year away, one year off of a national title. UCLA is straight hot garbage. There's no way this line should be this low, which tells you you should take UCLA. And I had UCLA written down. I'm like, nope, you know what? And I, this is something I've learned. It doesn't happen often. But sometimes Vegas is wrong. Sometimes they miss it. I think they missed this one. I've got LSU easily covering the three and a half. Well, that was my second play. I had LSU as well. Um, but I have a backup, so I'll go with that. But Good man. I, I, I agree that LSU partic- – LSU, I mentioned it last week in our podcast that it was strange that LSU was favored at UCLA for exactly the same reasons that you just uh, mentioned. But this play, in my opinion, got even stronger this past weekend when UCLA mopped the floor with Hawaii. Everybody's up, up, up on Hawaii or UCLA now after that game, and LSU is. If this was this was the official opening week line, you know, preseason we saw it, it was LSU minus four. That line didn't move. After UCLA's dominant performance, the line didn't move. It, it still opened up at three and a half or four. So that's a that's a strong play. That's a win for you. I'm, I'm, I'll congratulate you now on your first win of the year. That was a nice one. Thank uh, you. But for my replacement, 
I'm going to go, you're not going to like it because you, you don't like for me to do that, but I'm going to take an over-under, and that's going to be under in the Alabama-Miami game. The defense is too strong. I hope you're right. What is that over-under total? It's in the 60s. Yeah, that, that's, uh, I did, that's I didn't too come, high. I didn't come prepared because I didn't think you would get my LSU pick. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, the bet with Tua, and then it turned out to be the bet with Mac Jones was always first-half line of Bama because we'd be – you know, we'd be 21-and-a-half-point favorites, and <laughs> we'd throw up 35 in the first half. Mm-hmm. As long as our defense could hold the team, you know, to 10 or less, and we normally did, we'd cover the first-half line. I think that's going to be opposite this year. And I do – I kind of like the under. I definitely like the under on the first half because I think we feel – I think we're kind of like a, a, a blind man in an orgy. We're going to have to feel our way through the first half. <laughs> <laughs> Two cents to Tom Sims. That's where the joke originated from back in their college days. All right, so I, I wrote down some uh, two other games in case you took one of mine, but I'm only going to give the one. I'm taking Ole Miss minus nine and a half over Louisville. That's a Monday night special. I think Kiffin is going to run it up. He's got arguably the best quarterback in the SEC in Matt Corral. So I see them taking care of the – what's Louisville's uh, mascot? Drawing a blank Cardinal. Here. Cardinals? They are the Cardinals, yeah. Not to be confused with the Stanford Cardinal, which is a tree, by the way. And it's a singular. Yes, correct, correct. So Tom's got Minnesota at 14, and the under of Bama, Miami, I've got LSU minus three in the hook, and Ole Miss minus nine in the hook. I went with two favorites. So that's going to wrap up episode five of, uh, of season three. And, hey, the next time we talk to you, we'll be coming live to you from Las Vegas, and we will have a hopefully a good Bama victory under our belt. Looking forward to week two. And, Tom, if you're going to the game this weekend, and the game is in Georgia. It's not in. It's not at Bryant-Denny. It's not at Miami Stadium, whatever they call their stadium now. Is at the Orange Ball. I don't even know where they play anymore. But – so it's in Georgia. So you need to remember this law in Georgia. You cannot let your mule roam around un I can't even read unsupervised. I can't even read my own writing. You cannot let your mule roam around unsupervised. So if you take your mule over there, make sure you tie the mule up when you go into the game. And Tom, as always, if you're going to hate Auburn, you have to hate early and you have to hate often. Roll tide. <laughs> Roll tide. Take it easy, guys. Have you seen Junior's? Great.